0: Well, good morning. Um, I'm, you're probably expecting Herzen to jump out, jump out of one of these uh, doors, but he's not. <laughs> so um, you get to contend with me this morning. So um, I was thinking about bringing the message this morning for, a past, for the past couple of weeks. It's been resonating and ruminating with me. Uh, and the Holy Spirit laid on my heart the subject of freedom. Now, it might have just been the fact that I'm really deeply engrossed in the study that we're getting ready to, to do. Um, and it's a great study. I'm going to keep plugging that throughout the entire thing. So, you know, everybody in here should take it. Um, but it could be that, or it could be one of those things where um, I've been, been very introspective with myself and really thinking about the, the subject of freedom and thinking about whether or not it's something that's flowing freely out of my own life. Um, and as a matter of fact, you know when you get involved with something, you start looking at something, you begin to see it everywhere. You know what I'm talking about? You, you, if, you, if you ever purchased a car, you know where I'm going with this. You, you, you find the car you want, you haven't purchased it yet, but you wind up seeing it everywhere. I mean everywhere. There's an inordinate number of them in our parking lot. or you know You get behind one or two or three or four or seven of them on the road and you're like, I never knew there were this many. In my case, it was Jeep Wranglers. Like, I love those things. And, I, you know, when I, I, ever since I was little, my parents bought me a little uh, a Tonka Jeep Wrangler. And uh, I don't know where it went. I probably beat it all half to death, but um, it, it was fantastic. But when I became an adult and the proposition of purchasing a Jeep um, was real to me, I began to see them everywhere. And then I bought one and then I was able to do the wave. And you know what I'm talking about, right? This is, this is the Jeep wave. You kind of do that. Now, I still own a Jeep, but it's not a Wrangler, so I can't do the wave. You know, I can't do it because I get in trouble by people with Jeep Wranglers. If I do the wave, they're like, no. it's You drive a Renegade. At best, uh, that's a Honda with a Jeep logo. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> it is. So uh, you begin to see it everywhere. And and with this subject matter, I begin to see it everywhere. Um, I have a – and this, I promise you, is not um, – a, I'm not advertising today. I'm gonna to drop a lot of names. But um, I have Audible, which I love because I'm an auditory learner. And um, I, I have a commute, so I listen to books, right? Is anybody else with me? You, you kind of listen to that kind of? I listen to books on my commute and I've made it through a couple, like five or six books um, since the beginning of the year. And every one of these books, I find components of of this, this subject matter in here. So what you look for, you find. And... With me, I was, I was looking for this. So that's what I wanna talk about today. But from the perspective of what I believe grieves the heart of our Heavenly Father as it relates to this subject. And it being the very thing that Jesus came to address. So before we, we start, let's pray. Father, I ask that your words would come from my mouth, and that you would be glorified today. I ask that I would decrease and your word would increase so that your son may be more visible and your Holy Spirit would be more tangible. And it's in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So today's scripture reading is found in Luke um, chapter 4, verses 14 through 30. And I'm going to be reading out the New Living Translation because uh, it just happens to be the, the Bible that I have that's the most worn out. Um, so it'll be on the screen as well. Uh, I love this reading. And just so you know, I'm a little different when I read through Sometimes I stop. Something will jump out at me, and I will want to explain that. So if I do that, you'll forgive me with that. Uh, but this, this is one of my favorite stories, one of my favorite readings in Scripture. And there's a couple different reasons why. Uh, but let's jump into it. This is Then Jesus returned <coughs> to Galilee. Filled with the Holy Spirit's power, reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in the synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. Now, that's paramount to that mic drop moment, right? He sat down and all eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. They be, then he be, began to speak to them and he said, the scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by the gracious words that came from his lips. How can this be, they asked. Isn't this Joseph's son? His hometown, right? You do something good, isn't he so and so? Come on. Then he said, and I, I, I love Jesus, but I love the fact that Jesus speaks to what's in the room even when it's not said. Then he said, You will undoubtedly quote me this proverb Physician, heal yourself, meaning do miracles here in your hometown like you did in Capernaum. But I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. Certainly, there were many needy widows in Israel. In Elijah's time, when the heavens were closed for three, three and a half years and severe famine devastated the land, yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. Instead, he was sent to a foreigner, a widow of Zarephath in the land of Sidon. And many in Israel had leprosy at the time of the prophet Elisha, but the only one healed was Naaman, a Syrian when they heard this, the people in the synagogues were furious. They, they, it says, they, jumping, to, jumping up, they mobbed him and forced him to the edge of a hill on which the town was built. They intended to push him off a cliff, but he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. That moment at the end, I always think is like a movie a little bit right? They're getting ready to push Jesus off a cliff, like literally a crowd. They're mobbing him. And then I just imagine, and I, you know, none of us can really say, it just we read what it says, but I could just imagine the crowd freezing and Jesus walking right through them. Like it just, it just seems like that's what's happening to me. But that's not the part of the scripture that I want to focus on. I want to focus on what Jesus read out of Isaiah, what he said he came to do that made everyone furious. Because when he read what he read, He was saying, I am who you've been waiting for. And they're like, no, this is your hometown. You're not that guy. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. It occurred to me when I read that passage that as, as believers, we do a great job of declaring that the Spirit of the Lord is upon us and bringing the good news to the poor, and that we also do a fantastic job of declaring that this is the year of the Lord's favor, or the time of the Lord's favor has come, but when it comes to proclaiming that the captives will be released, and that the blind will see, and that the oppressed will set, be set free, We don't always do a great job about that part, mostly because we identify with the captive, the blind, and the oppressed, those who have been pushed down and kept from becoming who God has called them to be. We are born into the bondage of sin because of Adam's sin, but we are made for and crave freedom in Christ. Now, let me give you a couple of examples if you don't believe me with that. Um, I've got two sons, one is in the back running, doing things in the back, (laughs) and he's 13, and he's looking forward to the day he gets his license, he's told me, I I can't wait, and I'm like, why? He's like, because then I can go do what I want, (laughs) and I can't fault him for that belief because I had the same belief at 16, but I didn't realize that when I got my license in my car that my mom and dad would go, hey, we need you to take your brother to da-da-da-da-da-da, and we need you to go get this from the grocery store, da-da-da-da, and you just name it all, so that level of freedom that I thought I was gaining actually turned into a whole heck of a lot more responsibility than I wanted, and my littlest son, who no one has to teach to do wrong, (laughs) you're born this way, just so you know um, he, he, he has learned no, because we say it to him so much. That's his thing. He goes, no. Um, my littlest boy, Ari, who's 16 months old. Um, he, we have this Let me just tell you the toddlers. If you've ever had a toddler the, yeah, I knew I'd get you with a picture. Um, by the way that what he's wearing, it was clean five minutes before that photo. We, we changed him, and then he, within five minutes, he had Popsicle and dirty knees, so that's toddler. But, but toddlers, if you've ever been around a toddler, they're the only creatures I've ever been around that are committed to hurting themselves. <laughs> and, and like on any given moment, like they're committed to it, and they're full commitment. It's not like half. They're committed. And my wife and I have this joke. She'll ask me how things are when she gets home from work on a Friday evening from from working at the hospital, and I'll say, well, I kept them alive. (laughs) And that is the absolute truth. I've kept them alive. I mean, they're fed, they've not, I mean, they may have a bump or bruise or several of those things, but for the most part, they're alive. And so Ari likes this slide we we got him. And that that might've been a mistake on our part to get him the slide, but he loves this slide. He goes up and down the slide on our back deck all the time. And um, he's not great at, or he wasn't great when this picture was taken about getting, on the slide and down the slide, and you'll notice how his legs are, right? He'll have one, and he's getting one up and around. And, that, and he'd get one around and one would stay behind him, which when you think about that, um, it makes me hurt a little bit when I see him some of the positions he can get into, and so we find. But it, it'll be kind of behind him and the other one's in front of him. And, and he'll go down the slide like that, with a leg somehow dislocated and behind him. But there was this one day on the back deck. That he climbed up this, this thing and did the same thing you see in the, the picture there, and he started screaming. And as his father, I immediately took notice of that because the kid never screams unless he's either hurt, thinks he's hurt, or hurting his sister. <laughs> You're laughing, but this is true. <laughs> All those, those are the three screams and I haven't learned the difference yet. But anyway, he starts screaming and I jump up and I was sitting on the other side of the deck and I run to him and I look down and his foot, nothing, nothing's wrong, but he's freaking out because he thinks that his foot is stuck. And as his father, I reach down and I touch his leg and foot and he it brings attention to it. He looks and goes, oh, and then pulls it forward and slides down the slide. And it's a funny example, but as kids, we crave freedom, and when we think we're stuck, we freak out, but somewhere along the way, as adults, we've become tolerant of being stuck, all the while our Father has already freed us. So, so the mess- this message today is primarily for those who are believers that feel stuck, but it's also for people who don't claim the name of Christ. because sometimes they're stuck and don't know it. But I believe that the fact that we as adults and believers tolerate being stuck after our Heavenly Father has set us free and proclaimed freedom over our lives grieves his heart. It makes us think like prisoners. Now, prisoners, prisoner thinking... Thinking like a prisoner. The only example I can give you for that is any movie you've seen where there's a fence and a kid looks through the hole in the fence at the world outside. They see this much of the world outside and they think, if only the fence wasn't here, this is all I can see. They're thinking like a prisoner. But I want to give you the definition of freedom this morning. And it's found in scripture. It's not going to be on the screen because I want you to let it soak in. In 2 Corinthians 3.17, this is the definition of freedom. For the Lord is spirit and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I'm gonna read that one more time. For the Lord is spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I'll let that sit for a minute. Because when we think of freedom, what we read when we read that is something different for the most part. Like we read it and we go, okay, I intellectually get that. But we think about freedom in terms of the the absence of something giving us trouble. My son, who is on the slide, who thinks he's stuck, wants freedom from being stuck. My son, who's 13, going to be 16, sooner than later, wants a car because he thinks that gives him freedom. But we think in terms of the absence of something that gives us trouble. The if I could only do this thing. Or... If I could just not do that thing that I know I shouldn't do, I would be free. Anybody ever had that thought? If only my spouse were different, things would be better. Now, I told my wife, uh, she was in the last service, and I said, it was, it, that's a hard thing for me to look you in the eye and say that because I know it's wrong thinking, <laughs> but I've thought that way, and so is she. If only my boss wasn't so difficult, if only my circumstances were different, I could, whatever. You get it? If only, if, the whole problem with each one of those things is at the root of all those things, I'm there. And where I am, there I am. But lest you think that you're alone in that kind of thought process, Paul, who wrote the vast majority of the New Testament under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, who even said that he has reason to boast. If anybody does, he does. Because of his pedigree and credentials that are there, he goes. If I have reason to boast, if anybody does, I do. He, he said this in Romans 7:15. He said, "And you tell me if this sounds like you, because it sounds like me. I don't really understand myself. For what I do, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Does that sound like anybody?" But that's the same Paul, who later in Scripture you find sitting in a jail cell in absolute freedom. So I believe that this is the very problem that Jesus came to address. The fact that his presence frees us. It frees us from captivity. It opens our eyes so that we can see. And it frees us from oppression, from being pushed down and being... excuse me, being pushed down and kept from being and becoming who our Father has called us to be. And as believers, if we could grab a hold of this, it would change our walk. If we could grab a hold of this. And the reason it would change our walk is because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And if we have freedom deep within us, we carry freedom with us. Now, I I said where the spirit of the Lord is. And so I'm talking about those dark corners of our hearts. Those places in our hearts where we would, like a prisoner, say, let me clean those things up. And then I'll let him in. When guests come over, I'm going to tell you, we clean like mad people. Like I'm tired, like before, like my brother and his wife were coming over and I mean, our house isn't dirty, but we still clean. Like it's like we clean, clean, clean. And then after they're, they're over, I'm exhausted sitting there and I'm still looking around the room and there's corners. I'm like, oh man, I hope they don't see that, right? And, and, and so we think if we clean up the, the corners and the dark spots of our heart and then let them in, things will be good, but that's prisoner thinking because God would say to us, the spirit of freedom would say to us, you let me in and I'll clean those up. I'll do the heavy lifting. I'll do the work. And by, it'll, be, it'll be much cleaner than you've ever imagined. And the things that, that we get rid of, you'll, I will use them. That's what the spirit of freedom would say. And if we, if we allowed that, if we really and truly allowed that, then we're carrying freedom everywhere we go. Even Kroger. (laughs) Walking into Kroger, carrying freedom. Hillside takes part in in a non-denominational ministry called Kairos. And you kind of saw that stuff at the beginning of service today as part of our countdown. But this ministry is where freedom is taken into prisons. And two of our members, Mike Long and Harry Booth, are a huge part of, of that, and have had tons of experiences with this ministry. I want you to take a listen to what they have to say about it.
1: Well, I'm Harry Booth. I've uh, been here with my, uh, my wife, Lima, at Hillside since 94. I started serving in Kairos in 2006 at Hayes State Prison, currently serving with the Metro Reentry Facility in Atlanta which is especially focused on offenders that are about to be released back into the metro area in the next 24 months.
2: And I'm Mike Long, Uh, I've been a member of Hillside, uh, along with my wife Kathy, uh, since 1996. I have been involved in Cairo since I think 2007, it's 2007, 2008. I started out at Hayes as well, when Hayes was uh, locked us out in 2012 and went to Phillips State Prison in Buford. And so uh, I was there uh, and have been there since 2012, serving uh, the brothers inside. Kairos is a uh, non-denominational, ecumenical uh, ministry that takes the love of Jesus inside the prison walls throughout the world. We uh, spend our, uh, our time trying to build a relationship with these men so that they can build a small group uh, mentality within the prison to carry on what we bring to them on a monthly basis i was uh,
1: serving at uh, hayes and and during that time most of the time i was uh, privileged to be able to uh, lead the uh, the worship music and there was one particular young man his name was nolan And uh, he had this golden voice and we would harmonize and sing and praise the Lord together month after month. And uh, we'd been doing this for quite a while. And I was uh, packing up my guitar at the end of the day once and I was kneeling down on the floor, packing it up and I felt this hand on my shoulder and this voice that said, I love you, brother. And and I recognized the voice as his, of course. And I just kind of, because I was rushed, I just kind of patted his hand. I said, I love you too, brother. I'll see you next month. It wasn't enough, I felt these hands on my shoulders and he kind of lifted me up and turned me around and looked in my eyes and he said, no, I, I really love you. And he gave me this hug. Now, hugging was not unusual up there, we did a lot of that, but this was one of those special moments, if you know what I mean. And I was very taken by it. And I went home and told my wife Lima about it. For the past 10 months before that, I had been praying for a closer relationship with my Savior. I knew who Jesus was up here, but I felt I needed to be closer to him here. The next morning I was in worship and I opened the bulletin and I looked to see what the sermon was going to be on. And uh, it said, Matthew 25:14, uh, I believe. Well, being in Kairos, my eyes drifted over to the end of chapter 25 that Mike alluded to. And in 39, he talks about how, when you came to visit me in prison, but then verse 40 jumped off the page of me and said, and whenever you have done this for the least of mine, you have done this for me. And at that moment, I realized that all those months that I'd been singing and worshiping with these guys and studying and sharing with them, I'd been spending that time with Jesus and that the day before he'd taken me in my arms, looked in my eyes and told me he loved me. And uh, I started sobbing and um, Lyman didn't know why. She was a little freaked out, uh, but it was it was a great experience.
2: Yeah, I remember there was, there was one that uh, this, uh, this child had written and said, I love bacon. Do you love bacon? Uh, And and the child signed it with their name and then had her age. The guy just broke down. Come to find out, his daughter, who had passed away, had the same spelling of her name and she would have been 12 years old. And he loved bacon and she knew that. And so, stories like that are, we hear these all the time in, in there and it's God just working on their hearts mm. and, and ours and ours <laughs> that's right obviously over the last few years covid has uh wrecked havoc on the volunteers available for kairos uh the prisons have pretty much been shut down for the last two and a half years uh a lot of people have uh gone in different directions in in their ministry we desperately need more volunteers for Kairos to build back up from where we were pre-COVID. We'd like to to offer a special invitation to all of you, men and women alike, that there are men's prisons and women's prisons here in Georgia that uh, have Kairos involvement. And uh, we'd like to invite you to be a part of the Kairos Ministry. The
1: the Kairos inside that we work in is not the only part of Kairos. As as Mike indicated, there's there's women's prisons also. Um, But there's also the Kairos outside, and that's a Kairos program for the families of those guys that are incarcerated. There's also Kairos Torch, which is for the children. Um, So if maybe you're not seeking to work inside the prison, Yeah, you'd like to support them through the families
2: of the children, we can steer you to the right people to connect you to that also. You can uh, reach out to us, Harry, or I. We'll be out in the lobby over the next few weeks. We'll be able to uh, spend more time talking to you about it if you have questions, and uh, and if you're interested in being a part of it, uh, you can just contact uh, me. I'll be glad to help you in any way I can.
0: Yeah. God is good. Yeah, I didn't expect that. (laughs) But yes, freedom in prison. And and Harry's quote, I think the two of them actually quoted this, is, is God is working on their hearts and ours. And man, how about that story where Jesus ministers to the minister through a prisoner? Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If we're really gonna grab a hold of this as believers, I'm gonna leave you with three thoughts. And if you're note takers, you wanna write these down. And I'm not gonna elaborate too much more on this because, again, we've got a class coming up. (laughs) But freedom comes to us in three different ways. The first way that freedom comes to us, freedom in Christ, is freedom from bad definitions. What we desire orders our hearts. And if we think freedom is the absence of something that's bothering us or giving us trouble, then we're gonna pursue the absence of that thing above all else, rather than the presence of someone. Scripture says, seek ye first the kingdom, right? Right? So, freedom from bad, de- bad definitions is the first one. Freedom from ourselves is the second. The thing that Jesus came to offer us was a new self. Not how we define us, but how he defines us. I like to say that he pinned me, so he's the one that gets to tell me who I am. I don't get to make it up for myself, and when I try, I get myself in trouble or I begin to listen to other people's opinions of me, I get in trouble. So freedom from ourselves is the second way that this comes. And then the third way, and we all start here when we're looking for freedom, is freedom from the obstacles we have, the things that keep us in bondage. And the minute I even say those words in your head, things are already popping up. And if they haven't, just ask God. He'll He'll reveal to you what those things are. So I'm gonna close with where we started with the words of Isaiah spoken by Jesus in the temple about himself. And what's interesting, these words apply to us because we carry Jesus. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released that the blind will see and that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. In the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.